Welcome back to our study in God's Word. We're in the fifth chapter of 1 John. We're in the last chapter of this wonderful little book. We want to pick up in verse 6. Let me read some verses from verse 6. This is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. He did not come by water only, but by water and blood. It is the Spirit who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit the water, and the blood. The three are in agreement. We accept that the three are in agreement. We accept human testimony, but God's testimony is greater because it is the testimony of God which he has given about his Son. Whoever believes in the Son of God accepts this testimony. Whoever does not believe God has made him out to be a liar because they have not believed the testimony God has given about his Son. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. What I want, what I want to talk to you about today, and we'll not get through with this, but we'll continue it next week, is that God has provided a witness and witnesses who can tell us the truth. You see, the, the, some think that Christianity is just believing a a blind faith that just has no basis in fact. It's just kind of closing your eyes and saying, oh, I'm going to believe no matter what. But that's not what faith is. Faith is based on facts. You see, faith is taking God at his word and acting on it. And some people say, well, I would love to believe like you do, but I simply cannot. And what they're saying is, I think I can't believe in something I can't feel, touch, experience with the human senses. But uh, there are facts based <clears throat> that we base our, our Christianity on. And these facts are acts of God in history, what God has done, <clears throat> evidence of what he's done, and a care- careful survey of the acts of God in history actually shows us that belief is something that should easily follow. So I hope that you will uh, come to grips with that today. I want you to notice, first of all, the witness of historical testimony. John uses two words to describe two historical events at the beginning and the end of our Lord's public ministry. The first was the, was the word water, and that pictures the baptism of Christ. And he says he came by water, and this was reference to his baptism in the River Jordan by John the Baptist. And why this is so significant is this was the beginning of, of Jesus' public ministry. This was when he set forth and set himself out to tell the world who he really was and to prepare to die for our sins. And as he came up out of the water, the Holy Spirit came upon him in the power of a dove. Then God's voice from heaven declared, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. You see, there were the three persons of the Godhead together. God spoke, God the Son was baptized, God the Holy Spirit fell upon Jesus. That was a significantly important moment. And in that significantly important moment, God was giving witness to the world and to the people who were there that this is my son. And it declared the sinlessness of Christ because uh, God said, this is my son. God was perfect, so his son was perfect. Also, Jesus was baptized, which in that day was a symbol of cleansing, even as it is today, a symbol that our sins have been forgiven and cleansed. But Jesus did not need to be cleansed because he had no sins. That's why John the Baptist had said to him, 
just before he was baptized, are you coming to be baptized of me? I ought to be baptized by you. And Jesus said, allow it to be so, so that we can fulfill all righteousness. Jesus was saying, go ahead, because I'm taking the place of man as a representative of all mankind. I'm assuming the burden of sin for the whole human race. The Father's voice made it very clear that this was not a man with the stain of sin. This is the very sinless Son of God who has come to provide for our sins. Many will say, well, I can't, I can't accept Jesus' sinless life. He's a great example, and we can follow him and imitate him. But John says that's not enough. Jesus came by the water, and by his baptism, he pictured that he was the Savior. Also, he came by blood, John says. And this pictures his death on the cross. He died for us to pay for our sins. Isaiah declared in Isaiah 53 that all we like sheep have gone astray. We've all turned to his own way, but the Lord has laid on him the sins of us all. You see, one of, some of the critics at the cross said he saved others, but he can't save himself. Well, that was true. If he was going to save us, he couldn't save himself. He had to pay the penalty for our sins. He had to lay down his life on our behalf. You see, the, the bulk of the four Gospels is given to the historical record of the death of Christ. So much of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is, up, is getting ready for the cross, and then actually it, it spends chapters on the last days of Christ, the last hours of Christ. And Paul talks about how Christ died for our sins. Peter talks about how he bore our sins in his body on the tree. All of them are trying to help us see that these two historical facts, his baptism, where he began his ministry and got God's per personal witness to who he was, and now his death on the cross, were showing forth to everyone that he was who he claimed to be. But also, John says there's a third witness. There's the witness of the Holy Spirit. And he says the Holy Spirit bears witness that Jesus is the Son of God. This means when the historical facts of the sinless life and sacrificial death of Christ are told, the Spirit of God works in the hearts and minds of the hearers to make it personal. I remember how as I heard the truth of God, God spoke to my heart. God touched my mind. God helped me to see that Christ loved me and died for me on the cross. And I responded to that. But you see, God initiated it. The Holy Spirit was the one who brought it to pass. Nobody just suddenly wakes up one day and says, I think I'll become a Christian. The Holy Spirit has to kindle uh, our hearts and minds. He has to provide the fire that begins to become a burning flame when we trust Christ as our Lord and Savior. So it's only that way that it matters. And when we receive Christ, the Holy Spirit lifts our guilt, washes away our sins, and speaks peace to our heart. He assures us that we are forgiven. Billy Cram reported that when he was in London, the head of a mental hospital told him half of our patients would be immediately dismissed if they could obtain the assurance of forgiveness. And that's true. You see, forgiveness comes only in Christ. And also, these three witnesses are in agreement. You see, the two historical witnesses are external, and the Holy Spirit's witness is internal, and they converge together to produce one great truth, that Jesus Christ is who he claims to be and that he's the Savior of the world, and we can put our faith and our trust in him. Now, we're going to see next time that there's also the witness of the Father, and the witness of our own personal experience that help us to understand who Jesus really is and what he has done for us. 
But I hope now that you will just rejoice in the fact that, that Jesus came for you. He loves you. He's enabled you. We've talked a little, so much about God's love lately. And let's let him just love us. Accept who you are in Christ. Realize that you are loved. Uh, Gaither wrote a song some time ago, a little chorus. It says that, let me, if I can remember it exactly, I am loved, you are loved. I can risk loving you because the one who knows me best loves me most. You see, the one who knows me best loves me most. That's God. And because he loves me, I can love you because he can enable me to. I hope you'll have a great day and a great week. God bless you.